What's going on? What's going on, everybody? It is a very special Only Sports podcast. I'm Will. That's the scene over there. We both look like very fancy investment bankers because it is season two, episode one of the Only Sports podcast. We almost started uh, this podcast a year ago today, but we're starting season two a little early. Casino looks very nice. I look like what I wore at my wedding. So, (laughs) uh, my tux was rented. So I just have my vest. Uh, I don't have a jacket. Casino was wearing a jacket, but we decided to go vest. So we could both look like investment bankers. I also don't wear long sleeves up to my wrist. I always curl it at my elbows, but casino looking very dapper. This is uh this is maybe the first promise we've ever made on this and podcast kept. and kept and I almost forgot it. I came to the podcast looking like a slub and then I saw Casino looking like a million dollars and I had to make a quick uh change of uniform outfit. But yes. today we are starting our NFL preview. We will, are doing two teams a week until the season starts, previewing the whole division, talking about it as much as we can. Today we're going to do NFC South, but that does not mean that we're also not going to talk about topical sports uh, events in the world of all sports, not just football. So before we dive into that, how you doing, Casino? You finally got a new computer. I did, and there's a lot going on. Um, <laughs> I'm apparently it's already telling me though that my performance issues detected with the memory usage of some of your background tabs is high. Choose to either sleep or close some of all or all of your tabs. Basically, though, they have just like a billion things that are preloaded into this computer that we can probably yeah. get rid of the majority of them. So yeah yeah no besides that it's great everything's running fast and smooth and it's pretty fun actually how does it feel to have a computer from this century that you're using oh oh uh, wow look at that me fancy fancy mic or fancy mouse as well wow dude they so when i went there because i got this at costco i noticed uh, i think you know (laughs) as i talked on the previous season here because we're on the new season exactly um, yeah, that there was a marketed like down $150 for this laptop. And I was like, I'm going to go and get that laptop. And I did. And uh, I have 90 days to return it if it is not uh, up to my standards. So there you go. We're all living in 2023. Casinos over there living in 2013. Yeah, but, but they laughed at start. me when they asked what I had. And I was like, oh, Windows 7 from like 15 years ago. They go, anything that you get is going to be better. Yeah, literally anything. And then they just showed you a loaf of bread and they were like, this gets better internet than what you have now. (laughs) But uh, let's dive into the news casino. And uh, you wanted to talk, open the show talking about this baseball brawl. So break down the break down the baseball brawl for us all. See what I did? That was fun to say. Yeah. Um, so essentially it comes down to um, two players that happened the other day with uh, the Chicago White Sox um, shortstop Tim Anderson versus the Guardians third baseman Jose Ramirez. 
Um, Jose Ramirez is typically a very even killed, cool, cool dude. I don't know much about Tim Anderson. Um, so essentially what had happened was um, he comes, Jose comes sliding into second base and Anderson like makes a hard tag on top of him. Um, he's basically like guarding the base. So Jose has to go underneath Anderson's legs. And Anderson makes a hard tag on top. Um, it gets up. As soon as like he gets up, all of a sudden, Tim Anderson and and Jose start uh, and Ramirez they start like John back and forth, which is okay, whatever. We've seen this before. I thought maybe there would be like a pushback and then like that fake swinging and then the benches brawl, brawl. They all come out and you know hold each other and make love and all that thing. But no, Tim Anderson drops his glove. He squares up on second base, like full on boxing squares up. I thought I was watching the Nate Diaz. Jake Paul fight, which uh, and we could talk about that too if we wanted to. Was it Jake Paul or I don't know one of the Paul brothers? I don't, I don't care. You you probably know anyway. So he squares up, and Tim Anderson's bigger, much bigger than Jose Ramirez, and he starts they they start swinging, going at it, and Jose Ramirez does just an awesome straight up shot. Like his head's down, so he doesn't see him, but as long as you could take a good hit, uh, make a good contact, and he got. Tim Anderson so hard it decked him, locked him. He was knocked out, and it was absolutely wonderful. If you um, uh, listen to the call from uh, the Guardians call, uh, the announcer, it was absolutely great. He's like, "Down goes Anderson, down goes Anderson." <laughs> it, was just, it was like the down goes Frazier thing, and it was it was really good call. So if you have a any time, you should look that up. Um, I forget the guy's name, but that was running the call for it but if you could listen to that it is amazing and it was wonderful um it sounded like i was watching a boxing match um but uh yeah it was great uh so they both did get some suspensions though from this um there we go uh so tim anderson they were suspended with tim anderson though he got suspended six games jose ramirez only got suspended out for three um i like this a lot of people are like, well, Jose is the one that actually made con like super hard contact and knocked Anderson out to where there's another side clip of when everything's like said and done. Anderson is like trying to walk away and he his team is helping him and his legs are gone. Like he's stumbling. He can't stand up. They're almost like dragging him off the field. Uh, he got rocked so hard. I mean, this was the NFL. He'd be out for cushion protocol done for <laughs> a couple weeks. He would he would have two it up. But I think the Jose most has only got three. But again, Anderson was the one that got the majority of it because he was the instigator. He's the one that dropped his glove and squared up with Jose Ramirez. Um, yeah. And, you know, Jose was defending himself because Anderson starts going after him. And, you know, lo and behold, you mess with fire. I mean, that Ramirez <laughs> is shorter and smaller in, in every aspect. But he knocked his he knocked his ass out, dude. It was it was well great. Well, I think the most impressive thing about this is when Ramirez throws the punch that knocks out Anderson, he's surrounded by four of Anderson's teammates and still gets the punch off. Like, it's like oh, yeah. him, he's the one the other team is trying to restrain, but he still just sneaks one in there and then drops him. And then his his uh, uh, Anderson's teammates, like, whisk him away, but... He had one second, and man, he just uh, he just laid him out. And also, it's Jake Paul is the boxer. Logan Paul is the wrestler. 
Both of them had fights Saturday night, one at SummerSlam, one against Nate Diaz. So two both right. So Jake was the Nate Diaz fight. Um yes. which I'm still waiting for Jake. I mean, he, he's obviously he's now finally, in my eyes, he's established himself as a good boxer. He's a good boxer, but he needs to start facing actual boxers. Like when he did <laughs> when he fought the Fury fight, he lost, you know, like he needs to fight actual boxers not just yeah. uh mma stars that are wrestlers because if he if he if it was a ufc fight nate diaz would have probably killed him and i wouldn't mean i don't mean just like hey knocked him out he might have actually killed him um yeah. anyway so both these players anderson and ramirez they're both uh going for appeals um which i don't think anderson has much of a, a case to stand on i think ramirez does because that yes he engaged with the fighting but he was also doing self-defense you know like he yeah he i got agree. up yes he was jawing jawing at him but he's also defending himself against a much bigger guy that was you know obviously aggravated with him and dropped his gloves so uh i think ramirez can get the and win his appeal i don't think anderson could uh do i think either of them win it no but if anybody had a chance i think it would be ramirez um but uh yeah it was it was great. Uh, and then uh, you see like uh, what Terry Francona said um, about the severity of Ramirez's penalty. It's like he's going to appeal. Um, my hope is that he can lower it because he's such a good player. I thought it seemed to me that he was extremely conscious, um, uh, conscientious in what they were doing, at least when I talked to them. So like, I like that. I, I Again, Ramirez, he's he did square up as well, but he was doing it out of self-defense. Yeah. Anderson was the one that was really starting the whole thing. Which... Well, and I think I agree with what you said, like to make the case of who's at fault. It's the guy who's clearly rips off his glove and is like, it's go time. Cause you can even see up to that point, Ramirez is just like, we're just going to yell at each other. Our teams are going to separate and it's going to be done. The second he takes off the glove and squares up, you could see Ramirez being like, all right, it's fucking go time. Like, and then he just, yeah, just got the shot in the shot. Uh, right. Um, but yeah, so that, that was that one. Um, but he was also being complete ass for, well, he was being <laughs> an ass to all Cleveland players. Um, there was a point where he pulled off uh, the, the infielder, uh, uh, Brian Rook. Rukio or something like that off the bag at second, leading him to being called out for league, making the Cleveland players agitated. Like, so he yeah. was getting under a lot of people's skin. So I'm glad that he got decked and got knocked out because he's trying <laughs> to be a tough dude. So it made me happy. I love when, when somebody bigger than somebody else tries to pick on the small person. He's like, Oh, this is my opportunity. Let's go for the weaker opponents just in case something happens. I look like a hot shot. No, you get your ass knocked out. Good. Down goes Anderson. Down goes Anderson. Speaking of people who uh, talk a lot of shit and then get knocked down, Casino, let's move to (laughs) USA women's soccer where they were eliminated in, it was the Sweet 16s, correct? Or before, or was it still the third? No, this was the round of 16. Um, so I know we didn't get to talk about it last week, uh, but so barely the U.S. were lucky even to make the um, round of 16. Um, 
their final game against Portugal, it, in the 92nd minute, Portugal hit the post. And if they would have put that in, U.S. would have been knocked out, not even making out of group stage. Um, round of 16 loss is still the worst loss in U.S. women's national team history in a World Cup showing. Um, so that's funny. But so I so let's let's break down into this. So you're talk, definitely talking about um, are you talking about a single player or are you talking about the team in general? Well, I, uh, full disclosure, I don't give a fuck about soccer, as we've learned on this podcast. And then I give less of a fuck about, like, the team or the country sports. I just feel like it's, uh, not to get too political, but I just think it's propagandist bullshit where it's like, everybody has to unite and root on Team America. It just feels like so, like, 1950s, like, bullshit kind of thing so i don't care when it comes to like world tournaments like especially like it's cool when basketball uh you know does it worldwide it's cool when soccer does it worldwide but it's also like uh i just want to see them play against contemporaries not be like japan just started a uh uh basketball team isn't it cool that kobe and lebron are gonna drop 50 on him and it's like not really that's not really that cool. So, like, no, I, okay, I, I, I see your point. I see your point with that. Um, I will say I'm very happy with this year's Women's World Cup. This is the most competitive Women's World Cup, hands down, leaps and bounds. Because I've watched – I like soccer. I watch U.S. teams. I'm a little bit opposite of you. I like cheering for the U.S. teams. Yeah. They're not always – I'll be honest. Like, even when it comes to um, – in so, any sport – Sometimes I'm not always cheering for the U.S. player. Like if like tennis is a good example, most of the U.S. tennis players, they're not my number ones, but I'll still want to cheer for them because I want them to represent USA. So I'm a little different for you on that aspect. But I'll be honest, I'm kind of happy that the U.S. women's national team lost. And this is not a, because of a political thing. I have my views on that. Um, my whole thing is I thought it was this team was so poorly managed. Um, so poorly managed by uh their coach uh i can never say v-l-a-t-k-o lankto ander vosky blah 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 um but he mismanaged his team so so poorly like it, it was absolutely insane i don't follow the women's national team as much as i would do the men's national team or another sport a it is what it is. Um, but I do know enough to know where he wasn't starting the youth. He wasn't playing players. Like there's a center back for the team that he did not start at all this entire world cup. And uh, somebody that you should probably be familiar with uh, Julie Ertz. So um, wife of Zach Ertz. Yeah. She is naturally a midfield player and he put her as center back for the women's national team, which is fine. She's a great big presence. She's strong center back position. She could play back there, but us was getting absolutely eaten alive by every team in the midfield. You need to put a better presence in the midfield for a player who naturally plays that. So he did not trust his youth. He had old players in. Um, I did not like his formation, how he had it. Uh, like Alex Morgan. Um, he's a great player, but She's getting close to her retirement. Um, 
but her playing the point, I don't agree with. They should have put somebody else up there. They should have put some, uh, probably Smith up there and moved Alex to the wing, but they didn't. Um, so I, it was really frustrating watching him manage this team. And I thought it was really fitting that, yes, Alex Morgan wasn't having a great tournament. Um, but in the final game, he puts in Megan Rapino and he replaces Alex Morgan going into the PKs because Rapino never misses penalty shots. And she missed the vital penalty shot in, and that's why she got put in at the end of the game. Plus, she had oh, dude, it was just so bad. You put in Rapino, <laughs> she had multiple corner kicks. One didn't even make it. One hit the side netting of the goal. Um, it was just an absolute shit show. I'm really actually happy this team lost because they needed to be humbled. First off, I want this coach to be fired. And that is a massive reason why I was happy with this. Also, the team just, they they looked lackluster. Um, that was something that I know we were going to talk about it last week, but we didn't. Um, Carly Lloyd, former U.S. captain for the team, played forever, multiple World Cups. Um, she retired in 2022. She's been on the panel for this World Cup, and she pretty much let the U.S. have it. And... There was a big uproar about that, and I thought it was funny because I, I totally agree with Carly Lloyd that the team just didn't seem like they cared. You had the captain, Haran, came out and was like, oh, you know, she's not in the locker room. She doesn't know what she's talking about, with what's going on. Uh, Alex Morgan even clapped back. Multiple people clapped back at her. Um, but I still stand by what Carly Lloyd said, and, she, of course, she has to come out and apologize. But still, I thought it was great. Um and I'm I'm glad they lost. Uh, <laughs> I I am. I I'll be. I I'm I'm glad they lost because they needed an eye opener and they need to start playing the youth. Both Rapino, um, she's done. She's retiring. And it's funny that her last touch for this team was a missed penalty kick to advance. Um, Julie Ertz is retiring as well, which is sad to see. Um, but. Yeah, Alex uh, Alex Morgan says she's going to continue playing, but she needs to come in as a supporter role, play the wing. She shouldn't be a top striker. So, all right, yeah, that, that well, was what? the women's World Cup. Women's uh, Women's World Cup. They they only do the World Cup every four years, right? Or is it Correct. every two yeah. years? Four, four years. Okay, so it'll that's nice a long to time team. to fucking wait. It would be yeah, it'd be nice to see a new team win it though. Um, I say a new team. The last team to win outside of the U.S. was Japan, and they beat U.S. in the finals, and they look almost unstoppable. But, I mean, there's been some really good upsets. Um, Brazil got knocked out by Jamaica, which was awesome. This is Jamaica's first time making the World Cup, and they I don't know if they passed rounds, the rounds of 16. I think they may have gotten defeated because um, I think they had to play Spain. But regardless, that was cool that they got out and they beat former U.S women's coach um i forget her name uh but she was currently the brazilian coach and knocked out one of the greatest female soccer players to have ever played the game in marta for brazil and that was her last outing as well because she was she's 38 or 37 whichever the two so yeah it's a very competitive year this year and i'm i'm actually all for it and now with us being knocked out if japan could get knocked out as well this would be a really awesome world cup to watch well, and that's what we talked about uh, before last week's episode, before we recorded it, where we just both 
had the conversation that uh, kind of what's happening in the uh, World Cup side of basketball is also the same thing that's happening in women's soccer, which is the other countries are kind of starting to to catch up to where we are. Obviously, as you just said, it was kind of like a mix of other teams being better. Maybe our best players weren't as good as they had been four years ago. Obviously, that happens. But, I mean, uh, Team USA for basketball also just got announced. And it's like all you forget all the best players in the NBA, like Jokic, like uh, Luka Doncic, like Giannis, like Embiid. All those guys are from other countries. So then when you put Team USA together, LeBron doesn't give a shit about that because he's it's already been there, done that. He's focused on NBA titles. Same with Steph Curry. So then when you start going down the list of like American-born players, like it starts getting a little dicey. Like, and that's... Right, and that's why, uh, that's why, um, um, oh my gosh, why, I'm, why am I totally playing his name? Anthony Camello? Uh, oh huh? gosh, what was his name? The, the U.S. player that played for the basketball team for every for years. Why am I totally blanking his name? Uh, Carmelo Anthony. Thank you. I got it. I totally got <laughs> <Yeah>. that backwards. <laughs> Carmelo Anthony. Um, I got. I was pretty close with the name, and I just got it backwards. That was but, yeah. You just switched. Up. Um, but yeah, Carmelo Anthony. Like, that's why he played for for the U.S. team for like fifteen years or whatever it is, because like he's was always the fit. He's the only one that ever seemed like he gave a shit to yeah. be on the U.S. team. Well, and then it took the U.S. getting their ass kicked for then to all the big U.S. players to be like, we got to go, you know, take back our title. And then they did. But then again, the next, like the four years after that, they're like, we already did it. So now it's like the young guys. And even this year, it's like the biggest name on the who, team. Who is beat like, them? Was it, wasn't it Spain? I think it was, I think they, I think it might've been, they had like one NBA player and then a bunch of guys from like the European league or whatever, who are just, but I mean, you see guys like, you know, Wembenyama even came out and was like NBA's physical, but it's nothing like playing, you know, overseas, which that might just be like, and then obviously, yeah, uh, I wonder if like, you know, the overseas, overseas is kind of like uh, the old, uh, like eighties, you know, the yeah, old, just more physical. The old 80s Detroit, you know, the Detroit team and whatnot, and the bad boys and beating the shit out of each other and nothing's being called. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then Draymond came out and was like, uh, that was summer league. Like, maybe you want to sh- shut the fuck up until you play a regular season game. And it was kind of like, yeah, like, that's a good point. Like, he was playing against God knows who. Also... The room I'm recording in is a million degrees, so every topic we get to, I will take off a new piece of clothing. Casito, that's the new wrinkle I'm adding to this. Uh, you can either join me or you can stay fancy. But I'm fancy. That's I told the fans <laughs> I was going to be fancy, so this is fucking fancy. <laughs> uh, next up, as I slowly remove my tie, next up we are talking about... Uh, Anthony Davis, who signed a three-year extension Supermax contract with the Los Angeles Lakers. It is worth $186 million and will keep him with the team till 2028. Uh, my, my singular question to you on this casino is, does this make the Lakers better? Oh, um, 
I'm very up in the air about this because so here's the thing. You yes, you sign him, and even if he is injured, you know, he could be injury prone. Lakers have solidified they have a superstar, somebody that people want to go watch play for you know, uh, what was the current how many years again? Uh, three or it's an extension on his year now, so it's technically four years, but it was he was on the last year of a deal, so it's a three year okay. extension. Got it. So, yeah, so you 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 guarantee that you have four more years of regardless of what LeBron does, eyes on the Lakers. Um, mm-hmm. this can also be a draw to be like, hey, come play with Anthony Davis. You know, that could be also a draw to get more more players in to come over and watch him, um, and and join him. But I still question. So I think that's okay. You know, you know me. I don't really like the big, massive contracts that that cripples teams. I don't like when they do that. I like when it's more well balanced and people take pay cuts. It's all about the money. Everybody's about greed nowadays. Whatever. But with that being said, just the reality of how NBA works and the business of professional leagues especially football and nba being the top tier in the u.s um that is to me it is a good move um you want somebody to come play with anthony so lebron leaves whatever you want people to come play and anthony davis is a superstar the question is the only question i have and concern is what players want to come play with anthony davis what players would want to come play with an in a player that is constantly getting injured, um, whether he's good or not. And, you know, what, whether you're wanting to play for LA or not, you got to take all that in consideration that if you come and Anthony Davis is hurt, it's LA. All the eyes are on you. They are all on you. Yeah. Um, you're going to be the new guy for the team. If Anthony Davis gets hurt. So, Again, I think it's a smart move, but also a scary, risky move um, because you're taking a big gamble on it, on him being healthy and where players would want to come and play with him, um, with his superpower presence. Um, What is your take on that? So I agree with everything you're saying, but trust me, folks, this isn't going to be like last week where I agree with everything Casino says. Okay, this is not this isn't the route we're going, but uh, I'm sure we're going to disagree about. Let's see, we're going to talk about Richard Sherman. I know Casino hates Richard Sherman. I love him, so that's where we're going to completely. Casino's a huge Skip Bayless fan, obviously. I hate him. So we're obviously going to disagree on that next topic. But as far as the uh, Anthony Davis thing, I agree with you where the, obviously he's a big name, Lakers, all that comes with the Lakers, you know, name and cachet. And obviously in all sports, when people ask, you know, what teams do you want to play with? It doesn't matter if it's baseball, basketball, anywhere. It's always New York teams and LA teams get the most publicity because you get the most or get the most interest because you get the most publicity with it, right? So you, you're the biggest name in Los Angeles. That means a hell of a lot more than being the biggest name in Oklahoma. Nothing against Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Uh, (laughs) But, uh, as far as the Anthony Davis thing goes is when he's at his peak, there is 
very few people in the NBA that can compete with him at his peak, right? You have Joker, you have Embiid, you have Giannis, and then you have Anthony Davis, who are all in that thing where it's when they're on, they're on. And when they're hitting it in all strides, like, I mean, we even saw it in the playoffs from Anthony Davis, where any night, if he's not dealing with an injury, it doesn't matter who he's against. He's potentially a 30 point, 20 rebound guy every fucking night. Right. So his greatness cannot be understated by when he's on, he's on the Problem is, like you said, he also has an injury history. And as we know, even players like his teammate LeBron James, when you aren't injury prone and then you start getting older, your injury proneness also starts ticking up, right? So LeBron James, the most impressive thing in his career was he was never injured. He was always on the court. He was always, you know resting for a game here a game there but for the most point he was or for the most part he was on the court with Anthony Davis it's he's already injury prone as a young guy so you look four years into the future and regardless of what he does age uh you know waits for no one and him already being injury prone it's just going to get progressively worse or slowly get worse but still he's playing 50 games a year now what does this contract look like in two years when he's potentially playing 40 games a year right and it's this Lakers team and with how the NBA uh uh what is it like payroll or whatever works now cap that's the word I was looking for how the NBA cap works now you can only have two supermax contracts per team right so using those supermax contracts on LeBron James and Anthony Davis is really going to limit your success, especially in a Western division that is fucking stacked. Like, I mean, if you had to look at the teams right now, the Lakers would probably be the eighth, maybe the at most the fifth best team in the Western conference. So if this was in the Eastern conference, it would be like, all hands on deck. All we have to compete against is the Sixers, Bucks, and uh, Celtics, and then there's a chance. But in the West, it's like there's 10 solid teams that could make a case for being the best team in the West behind the Nuggets, right? So it's like Nuggets are the clear number one, and we saw this Lakers team that everybody, including myself, was like, They're a great defensive team. They have two superstars. We saw them get swept by the Nuggets, not barely lose, you know, like that uh, series against the Golden State Warriors where they like edged it out. It was the Nuggets team who has not lost anybody, who who will only get better, is now the king of the West, and the Lakers trying to compete with them are one year older on already a old team in terms of superstars. And then they obviously tried to fill it backfill it with a bunch of younger shooters. But yeah, my concern would be short term. This is great because you have Anthony Davis, but short term also is we have Anthony Davis and LeBron James for max, max two, three years. So signing an extension that's four years, like, This Lakers team needs to win now or within three, four years, they're going to be bottom of the barrel. Like, I mean, that's just 
the projection of how it's looking, but who knows? They, they're the Lakers. So like you said, they might just get rid of Anthony Davis and LeBron James. And then all the big name free agents are like LA's where I want to go. And then bam, they're the Lakers. So yeah, uh, let's move on casino to, uh, you know what? Let's move on to the topic I just talked about because it'll be a quick one. Uh, Shannon Sharp left Fox Sports. I don't know where he's going. I don't think it's been announced yet. I'm assuming he goes. Go either... home. <laughs> I assume he goes to ESPN or one of those random, like maybe CBS Sports or whatever the fuck, like Rich Eisen is on. I don't know. Uh, but tired. Go home. <laughs> uh, Nobody but wants to hear you. With Sorry. the, I'm not a. You know, I'm not a fan of either one of those guys, and I think it's just because I wasn't a fan of the show. So I, well, I just like yeah. both of them. That's, I mean, that's where we're going with this, which is Richard Sherman, the former cornerback for the Seahawks and I believe 49ers, is going to be the Shannon Sharp spot on Undisputed with. Skip Bayless. Uh, so my question to you is neither of us watched the show. I was joking earlier because both of us hate hate Skip Bayless. I think he is pretty much responsible for how shit every sports show is now, where it's just like fake debates because that's what makes ratings and it's just fucking like abysmal to watch, and I fucking can't stand it. But there's a lot of people who fucking love that shit and eat it up. So Will the addition of Richard Sherman, will he make you uh, maybe check out the show more often than you did when it was Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp? I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of Sherman. I don't, I don't absolutely despise him like a lot of other people do, but he's not, he's not one of my favorites. Um I don't know. I think I might have a hard time listening to him. Um, I feel like he will naturally be biased for his teams because he's, you know, still got a hard on for them all and, and his former teammates. I don't know. I will see how he can handle with the scripted scripted show of, as you were saying, and you alluded to that, that you have to argue for arguing sake, whether well, they not probably only agree have- yeah, they not only you have on to that. argue, you have to argue as if it's the most important thing to you. And like you were saying, like most of the time these guys agree, but it's like, well, the show doesn't work if you both agree. So I need you to argue passionately this thing you don't care about. Like, it's such a weird concept to me. Like, and especially argue with such anger and fervor that you're just like, who the fuck would think this is real? Like. Who would think this is real? It's, it just, it's dumb. It's dumb. Ugh. Right there with you. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't, were... I don't know if I'm going to enjoy this at all. <laughs> I'll probably, we'll probably never talk about it on the show again, unless one of their clips goes viral for Richard Sherman, just calling skip a, curse word or like getting fighting him on the air i don't know but it's just one of those things where it's fucking dumb uh next up i don't really know 
what we can say about this, but obviously it's big news and worth bringing up, which is the college football realignment has probably been the biggest news story outside yeah, of I the haven't women's. been able to keep up. Yeah, I don't. Well, also, it just becomes a thing where it's so before we get into it, uh, basically, the Pac-12 is no longer uh, because they have lost now Arizona, Arizona State and Utah, who will join the Big 12. And then it is uh, Oregon, Arizona and Arizona State will join the. Oh, I just had it. Uh, no, it is USC, UCLA, and Oregon and Washington will now join the Big Ten. And then the other teams I just said will join the Big 12. So that leaves a couple teams that, no offense to these schools, but no one really gives a fuck left in the Pac-12. So this is basically the death of the Pac-12. The rumor mill is I'm that... joining the you left- on this, by the way. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, the rumor mill is that the leftover Pac-12 teams will probably join the Mountain West, which we obviously have uh, a stake in being from Las Vegas. That's where UNLV is and all that kind of stuff. Woo! But as far as these other schools, the rumor on Friday, right after we stopped recording the podcast, was basically uh, the Pac-12 was going to be over if Oregon decided to leave. Because Oregon has been the class of that conference basically since, you know, USC was good with Leinard and Bush and all that kind of stuff. So all these other teams and conferences were basically waiting for Oregon to decide. And Oregon is obviously the big fish in the relative small pond because they have the Nike guy basically uh, payrolling their entire uh, school. You know, like with Phil Knight and the whole, they get uniforms and all that kind of stuff. Oregon is much more of a brand than probably all these other schools that moved altogether. But thoughts on, uh, well, not those teams, but more the realignment of college football and maybe what that looks like in the future, especially because I think the most uh, newsworthy part of all this is I think casual fans, myself included, might have underestimated how much college football conferences are tied to TV contracts. So you have basically all the Pac-12 schools being like, we couldn't get any TV money because the Pac-12 was trying to do all this bullshit innovative stuff and trying to go to Apple TV and trying to go to all these streaming services instead of just being like, Hey, CBS, pay us a fuckload of money and you can have our games. Like, obviously, SEC is tied to CBS and ESPN is tied to Big Ten, now Big 12. So it's like, yeah, it's kind of, I don't know, thoughts on all that, Casino. Or I guess now it would be Big 14. Well, one of them's the Big Ten, one of them's the Big 12, but they added more teams. So both of them are also going to have to change their name. I don't know. How do you think this... Whole realignment they'll, they'll thing. keep it the Big Ten, Big Twelve. Like that's how it's branded. <laughs> it, it, uh, it'd be very tough to brand, rebrand your entire your entire sh- channel. Like some of them actually have the Big Ten network. That some of them have the Pac-12 network. Like, yeah, having to rearrange that—that's a big brand. On um, a lot of like gear, you see 
Pac-12 jersey, blah, 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 or Big Ten jersey, blah, 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 blah. I mean, if they don't really care that, you know, there's going to be the old jerseys out there and they're going to rebrand, but that, that's a lot of money. So why just keep it what it is? I mean, it's just the name. Yeah. It doesn't, it shouldn't be, you know, going off of what the actual, how many teams are in there. Personally, I think it's dumb. But there's, you're right. I think if Oregon leaves, that is 100% the death of that conference. It is gone. It is done. Nothing important anymore from that. Yeah. Well, so, and they did leave along with the only probably other big name in that conference, which was USC. So if USC stayed, maybe they could be like, all right, Oregon's out, but we're going to try to get all the California right. teams, that's, all the Arizona teams. Yeah. And just like try to cobble together something. But now basically, and well, and the weirdest thing is all this shit, uh, you know, like takes time to happen. So I believe I read some of them where it's like one of these takes effect in a year. One of them takes effect in two years. So it's also just going to be weird that you have this dying conference that still has like a playoff bid. And then the playoffs obviously getting, you know, beefed up to include more teams so it's just going to be especially this year is just going to be a weird weird college football season especially with what it was texas and oklahoma also joined the sec so it's like they literally need to oklahoma yeah they literally need to all the college conferences just need to get together and be like We'll be the West Coast Conference, you be the North, you be the East, you be the West, and then just split it, you know, how the NFL kind of does, where it's NFC, AFC, you need to have Big Ten West, Big Ten, or Big Ten East, and just kind of, it's going to be messy, but it's already fucking messy. It's always kind of been messy, because all these conferences kind of rule themselves, and then the NCAA really doesn't have anything to do with it and then you have this other thing like the bcs over here and then you have the new playoff thing over here it's just college football is fucking messy and then you get into the bullshit where it's like all these multi-billion dollar schools don't play their players but now the players are getting uh nil deals and it's just college football i I'll, it's in five years it's gonna look much much different than it has in the past 20 years like it's going through a uh, transformation here, but uh, now that all that is out of the way, Casino, do you have anything you would like to talk about before we get into the NFC South? I think I'm good. All right. We took a little break there, but we are back and we are going to do our first NFL uh, division preview. We are starting with, after looking through all the divisions, Casino, do you think this one is the least interesting or one of the most interesting because there's no oh, clear cut favorite? Oh, you know what? It's probably going to be the most boring, in a sense of you know who's who can win a title, playoffs, all that jazz. But it is going to be interesting to watch. Um, you've got some quarterbacks that are you know. Every team has a different quarterback, right? I mean, I, I think so. Uh, uh, no, a little bit. I believe so. Yeah. Well, no, no, Derek no, Carr did a little bit. 
Well, Derek, Derek Carr played a little bit. Or well, you're saying Derek, new uh, Baker, to the I team? Mean, I mean, Baker Mayfield. No, he signed Baker. with the Bucks in the offseason because last season it was Tom Brady. Oh, he's been bouncing around like crazy. Anyway, yeah. so no, this is this is going to be fun to watch because, yeah, so Baker Mayfield with the Bucks, you know, we don't dislike the guy. Um, they're still a decent team. Um, I'm wondering how that's going to play on out. He, do you think he will be better or worse going into that division? Well, let's start with the Tampa Bay Bucks Casino. They finished the season last season. Let me get my notes here. They finished the season last year eight and nine. Then they got destroyed in the in the uh, playoffs. If I remember correctly, it was by the Dallas Cowboys. Tom Brady's last game uh, in the NFL. He retired in the offseason. This year, they have the 17th easiest schedule in the league. I ranked them by easiest. Uh, so they have the 17th easiest schedule in the league. The projection, the projected win total right now that you can bet on pretty much everywhere for them is six and a half wins. If you had to put money on it, would you make that over or under? Um, over. Okay. I think I would go under just because I don't, like you said, there is a hot quarterback controversy going on right now in Tampa Bay where obviously you lose Tom Brady. You can't bring in anybody to replace Tom Brady at that level, but they brought in Baker Mayfield, who is having a training camp quarterback battle with Kyle Trask. So if Baker Mayfield loses out to Kyle Trask, I think that's probably the end for Baker Mayfield. And then is he really, he kind of always felt like, like Cam Newton ish to me where it's like, I don't feel like he would be a good backup quarterback, right? Like he kind of needs the starting quarterback that swagger, that kind of mode, or else he's going to be an issue. I feel like disagree or. Um, no, I kind of agree with that. Uh, so I, I think that Baker's going to come out on top over Trask. I mean, he's the name people want to see Baker Mayfield play. They don't want to see Kyle Trask play, you know, and if it's going to be even close, they're going to go with Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I kind of agree. It also feels like uh, the head coach, obviously, for the Buccaneers is Todd Bowles. He kind of seems like the only reason I would have doubt that Baker Mayfield would start is he kind of seems like a no-nonsense, like, I don't give a fuck guy. So if it's Baker Mayfield is doing the cocky, Oklahoma, you know, early Brown shit that kind of got him on a lot of people's shit list. Like I could see Todd Bowles being like, I'd rather have the boring guy who doesn't annoy me than the slightly better, maybe more annoying Baker Mayfield. Again, I feel like me and you both kind of like Baker. And when he was with Cleveland, I thought he was way better than people made him out to be. Like, I mean, I uh, but the only new coach on the Tampa Bay Bucks staff is Dave Canales, who is the new offensive coordinator. Last season, he was the quarterback coach for the Seahawks. Also, 
I believe, and I think I wrote it down here, besides the new head coach or besides the new coaching staff for the Panthers, this is the only coaching change in this division is the Tampa Bay's uh, offensive coordinator. The old one was Byron Leftwich, which, you know, helped Tom Brady win a Super Bowl with the Buccaneers. But as far as their stats last season, in offense, they were 15th in yards, 32nd in uh, in rushing yards. So they were dead last, second in passing yards, obviously with Tom Brady, and 25th in points. Their defense, however, was ninth in yards, 15th in rush, ninth in pass, and 13th in points allowed. So basically it comes down to this year, can they maintain their defense and can they Obviously, they're going to fall back passing yards just because you go from Tom Brady to either Trask or Mayfield. And then rushing yards, they've kind of done nothing to address that. So my question to you, Casino, is what does what does this Bucks team need to do to not only win this division, but to be a team they were last year. Um, All right, there you are. Yeah, dude. Well, I guess it's not a computer. Cut that out because you cut out. Yeah, because this is a brand (laughs) new computer. Uh, Let me just throw you that. I mean, it has been much better. But let me throw you that question again and then just answer it like I'm throwing it to you for the first time. Uh, So my question to you, Casino, is... What do you think this Bucks team needs to do? Obviously, they don't have Tom Brady, new offensive coordinator, different quarterbacks. What do they need to do to be better than last year or better than their projected six, seven wins this season? Uh, they're going to have to rely heavily on Mike Evans and uh, Godwin as well. Uh, I mean, those are two top tier players when they're healthy and the- you know they're come they're coming into this year. They should be fully healthy. I haven't heard anything about them uh, not being. The only thing that's scary is they don't have a running game. They were the worst. I believe they were the worst rushing team last yes. year. Um, yeah, at uh, only seventy six point nine rushing yards per game. And you know you're you're not going to get a lot of rushing there from Baker Mayfield. Um, so or. Uh, if they end up going with uh, Kyle Trask, um, but you're going to have to rely heavily on that, on those two guys. Like they're going to have to find ways to get open. Remember, if you remember right, with Tom Brady, they were having a bit of a disconnect. Uh, Brady was having trouble finding them. They weren't getting open. Um, I, I don't know if that was an injury thing or if it was just Brady wasn't caring and he had so much stuff going on in his personal life. Um, but these two receivers will have to step up heavily, not only if they go with a rookie quarterback from you know the second round draft pick back in 21, Kyle Trask, or going with Mr. Showboaty, I like doing commercials, Baker Mayfield, <laughs> and all eyes are going to be on him. And they're all doing this with a new offensive coordinator. Um, the good thing that they have going for them, though, is the offensive coordinator you know, coming over from Seattle look what he did with that team. Look what he did with, you know, Geno Smith. 
So that's true. I'm fingers crossed that they're going to be doing okay. Um, so they got to find some sort of run game to help out the offensive game. Luckily, they they do have Mike Evans and Chris Cotton. They have two good, really good receivers. You know, um, top tier Pro Bowl type receivers. Uh, because then the defense can't just cover one and then call it a day. They're going to have to watch out for both. Um, and again, you know, you and I, we both like Baker. I don't know too much about Trask and um, where his accuracy is, but we'll see. Um, I'm, I'm a little worried for that team if they can't get those two targets open and if the coach can't uh, – um, devise up a scheme to get the ball in those two guys players hands. Um, if, if they don't do that, it's going to be a struggle for them this year. But as you were saying, uh, I do think Baker Mayfield will, will be tamed down a little bit by the head coach. So that's what seems promising for that. Well, that also is a great point about like, look at what the new OC did with uh, Geno Smith, which is a quarterback I'm sure we talked about last year where it was just like, oh man, the Seahawks are going to start the season with Geno Smith. And then he has a pro bowl season. And even in the NFC is one of the top three best quarterbacks in that entire conference. But the issue I have is one of the things about Seattle last year, and this had a lot to do with injury, but also a lot to do with scheme and play calling was they were also one of the worst rushing teams in the league. So you take a guy who, yeah, he was great with Geno Smith and the passing attack, but he arguably goes to a team with probably a worse quarterback. I mean, we've seen Baker Mayfield uh, have good seasons, but he's never had like a breakout standout season. So if that's this season, great. If it's not, you're going to get a less efficient passing game, kind of weapons that are maybe a notch below Seattle because you obviously in Seattle had Metcalf and that explosive passing offense, but they also had a better offensive line. The Buccaneers are kind of transitioning uh, to a different offensive scheme and setup with a offensive line that's being rebuilt. And then you're bringing over an offensive coordinator whose rushing attack was almost as bad as the Buccaneers last year. So you're bringing in a bad rushing offensive coordinator, uh, even though he was only the quarterback's coach last year. I, he still studied under that system, right? So I don't think he's going to all of a sudden go to the Bucs and be like, we were the worst rushing team in the Seahawks, but... I knew how we could have been number one, and now all of a sudden Tampa Bay's the number one rushing offense, especially when they don't have a big name or even a no name at running back after getting rid of Fournette a couple years ago. So, yeah, I don't know, Casido. This team, do you think this team is in contention closer to be a number one draft pick or closer to winning this division again? Um. Oof, uh that that's a weird thing because like the two, two different, two different directions. Like um, I don't have them winning this division at best. I would have Tampa being third. Um, I do like two teams above them uh, heavily, um, but I don't think they're going to be one of the worst teams in the league. Um, 
they're going to be bad. Maybe maybe bottom five, but I don't think they're going to be fighting for that number one draft spot. Yeah, I agree. So right now their uh, running backs uh, are Rakad White. I think that's how you say his name. Rashad mm-hmm. White. Rashad White, last year he played all 17 games. He had 129 attempts and 481 yards rushing. They also yeah. brought in Chase Edmonds. And then, like you said, Ooh. they yeah, they have Baker Mayfield or Trask. They have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Russell Gage at wide receiver. So that's a pretty good wide receiving core. I think yeah, they would they're going to have to fall heavily though on that. Yeah, uh, their offensive line is being rebuilt, but it's still a solid unit. And then their tight end is K. Dotton and Coquif, which are two names I've I know nothing about, so I can't make a statement on their tight end team. Now on their defensive side of the ball, they were in most categories last year top. They were top 10 in both yards and passing and then 15th and 13th in Russian points. They, however, also were able to re-sign their cornerback, Jamal Dean, re-sign Levante David, and then they added Gaines, Anthony Nelson, uh, Ryan Neal, and then also added, as we just said, Chase Edmonds and uh, offensive lineman Matt Feeler. They lost... However, Julio Jones, which I totally forgot he played for the Bucs last year. And then they also lost a cornerback in Sean Murphy Bunting, a defensive uh, tackle in Akeem Hicks, a safety and an edge rusher in Mike Edwards and Carl Nasip. So for losing not that much, they kind of reloaded and then they drafted a defensive tackle and then an offensive tackle in the first two rounds of the draft. So again, but this is the NFL and it all comes down to quarterback. So if you have a top five, a top five quarterback, you're probably going to be in the playoffs. If you have a top five bad quarterback, you're probably going to be out of the playoffs. And this team looks to be a top 10 defense, but if they're the 32nd ranked offense, it kind of feels like, exactly what it's being projected to be a seven win team at best case scenario. Like uh, this was just a yes or no question. And we'll move on to the next team. Cause you know, unless you have anything else to say about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, do you have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers repeating as division champs of the NFC South? No, I do not either. Uh, anything else to say on the bucks or can we move on? No, we can move on. Um, the next thing that I would like to talk about, if you're cool with, is the Panthers. Yes. I'm kind of excited to talk about them. Um, so, obviously, they get the big guy. Well, not really the big guy. They get the little guy. But they hit the the number one guy coming out. They do get Bryce Young. Um, and <laughs> I see what so, yeah. yeah, big little guy. And coming on out, um, the 2021 Heisman Trophy winner. <laughs> but I I like Bryce Young. I think he's going to have a good year. Um, yes, he is short. Yes, he's got that. Um, he's got that. Oh my gosh, why am I totally blanking? That Kyler Murray, you know, fast, short. But at least Bryce Young, I feel like he can sling the ball real well. Um, 
And the Panthers, we were very surprised with what they did in the offseason. They, I think, had one of the best offseasons this year. They loaded up, um, bringing in over Adam Thielen, ooh, DJ Char- uh, Chark, uh, and then they got the tight end, Hayden Hurst. That's a solid receiving group right there. And then, you know, they get the Pro Bowl running back with Miles Sanders. Um, I, I like this. And in my opinion, I think they got one of one of the better receivers um, in the 2023 draft with uh, Jonathan Mingo. I like what they did. And this is just their offense. I'll skip to their defense in a second on what they did there. So they're, they're doing really well because they didn't just get the number one guy coming out of college, you know, and being like, and doing the whole Trevor Lawrence thing, like hopefully he can bring our team to the promised land and we're going to put it all on his back. Like they were doing with Trevor Lawrence. Um, again, you and I are very high on him um, and what he's done single-handedly. Um, so we'll get to Trevor Lawrence on another, on another day. I really like what this Panthers off season looked like with signing those guys. Um, and, not only saying that giving him plenty of weapons and options um, with the running backs, you know, with the tight end, like not just receivers, like what we were talking about with um, Chris Evans and, and, and God, uh, Chris Evans. Um, dang it. Uh, oh my God. Why is it just like literally went in one Evans and Godwin? There we go. I'll just say that. Oh my gosh. I'm having, I'm having like a stroke moment. In my head, it's probably because you're sweating so much. I know that's what's happening over here. I'm I'm cutting off the circulation of my neck. Okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, but uh, I mean, and then they 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 did some strong signings on the defensive side as well with the safety Von Bell bringing him in. You know, that's really good. And then you know, bringing in Brian Burns who. Um, I'm seeing the stat here. I didn't know this. I, I, I knew he was good, but I didn't know that he was this good. Um, in the last three seasons, across the last three, three, three seasons, he's had 30 and a half sacks, um, which is only which is ninth most in NFL, only a half a sack behind Aaron Donald, um, who was at the eight most, which that shocked me a little bit. I thought Aaron Donald had way more sacks than that uh, over the last three years. Um, I know outside of the Super Bowl year, whatnot, and and going on, Aaron Donald's been kind of, you know, that team's not been that great, but only 31 over the last three seasons kind of shocks me, to be honest. But anyway, I mean, they've got a decent defense as well. I mean, it's not maybe the best defense in the league, but it's definitely going to be a defense where you're going to have to look out for some guys. Um, I like this Panthers team. I think they're going to be pretty damn good this year um i don't i i don't know if they're going to be able to win the division uh i'm still thinking the saints bar things going correctly for them we'll move on to them next um so that is my hot take on them i think they're going to do very well i think bryce young will shine with this team uh my dog is barking so what you say so I do want to talk about, I know you mentioned all the uh, free agent signings. I think DJ Chalk and uh, Adam Thielen 
and then Miles Sanders, Bryce Young, Hayden Hurst, that's a completely new offense, right? So their right. offense almost at every position on offense. And then they even made changes to their offensive line. They got a backup quarterback as well. And Andy Dalton too, which I think is a good signing, especially to well, help. also new head. I mean, you, you said the coaches thing. They did get the, the new head coach with uh, uh, Frank. Frank Reich. Yeah. Which I think Frank Reich might be one of those guys who is a better coordinator than he is a head coach. And I'll, the, I'll back that in the seasons he spent with the uh, Colts, his record is 41 wins, 40 losses, one tie. So he's basically average across the board, which, hey, in the uh, NFC South with this division, that might one win uh, go eight and nine or nine and eight. That's going to get you probably just like we saw division. last year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then it's smart of him. I mean, he got fired, but it was still smart of him to kind of jump that Colts uh, ship that was sinking in a division that's probably going to be ruled by the Jaguars for many years to come. But so the Carolina Panthers, they went seven and 10 last year. They now this year have the fourth easiest schedule in the uh, in the league. Their projected win total is seven and a half. So you going over or under on that number? Uh, seven and a half. Uh, yes. No, over because I think I think the Panthers can win this division. I do as well. I think they are hovering around eight or nine wins, or I think they're hovering around seven wins with maybe like two weeks to go in the season, and then it really comes down to do they finish, you know, eight and nine, nine and eight, what that kind of looks like. But uh, last year, which I found interesting, was in defense, they were 18th in rush yards, 22nd in pass yards, 19th in points per game. And they were also a top eight team in the entire league in blitz, which or in blitz percentage of plays, which I thought was interesting until I realized they switched their defensive coordinator to, however... They hired the Broncos defensive coordinator from last year, and the Broncos defense was lights out, right? They were one of the only things good about that team, if not the only thing. Yeah. So to go from a defense that was ranked probably in the bottom third of the league with 18th and between 18th and 22nd in every defensive category. I think that's a huge upgrade. Obviously you talked about getting Von Bell from Cincinnati where last year he had four interceptions and uh, only three forced incompletions, but he was also coming off injuries and stuff like that. So I really think this team this year is going to live or die. Their quarterbacks are kind of thin. Their secondary is going to get torched if they don't get pressure with their front seven. So it really comes down to what does this defense look like comparative to the Broncos defensive last year? Will he be able to, and him being a Giro Evero, which is a fucking badass name, but will... Yeah, it is. Will Evero be able to bring some of that Broncos scheme over to this Carolina Panthers team? And then 
this Carolina Panthers team is basically going to have to live or die by what this new offense looks like. And again, it can't be understated that DJ Chalk and Adam Thielen are both injury prone. Uh, Miles Sanders was the running back in the offseason that got the biggest contract, but was he a product of that great Eagles offensive line or is he, you know, is he propped up by that or is he just as good as he was in Philadelphia and the offensive line didn't matter? Where that's going to be a huge question mark because I love Miles Sanders. I wish the Eagles would have kept him, but I'm also not like devastated that we lost him, if that makes sense. He doesn't yeah. jump off the screen to me as a game changing running back, like a Henry or Saquon Barkley and stuff like that. So, yeah. Jamal Adams. Uh, Will, my last question to you, Casino, on the Carolina Panthers is. Do you see them winning this division? Yes. Oh, okay. I think I think they have the potential to be a wild card team, especially in like we talked about last week, an NFC where it's like try to find the playoff teams, and you're kind of just being like out of the top four. So like I don't know. You who don't else think that they can in. win this division. I think no, I think they can win this division. I don't think they will. I think love to hear who you think. Uh, my team that I'm picking is the one we're going to talk about next, which is the New Orleans Saints. I don't, I don't agree. Uh, so the New Orleans Saints have the number one easiest schedule, uh, coming into this season, and I go off the sharp football focus projected win totals, which is or about uh strength of schedule, which is they factor in what teams are supposed to look like next season, as opposed to most other websites where they base it on how well teams were last year, which I think is a dumb uh, like thing to do because most teams look so different year to year. But based on the sharp football focus, they have the number one easiest schedule this year. Their projected win total is nine and a half. So do you think they win less or more than that casino? The Saints? The Saints. They're a almost nine. I say less. Team. See, I think they win 10, te- 10 games. And I think 10 games Ow. wins you this division. Ow. Ow. This is what I'm going to tell you. So uh, last year, their offense was 19th in yards, uh, 19th in rush, 16th in pass, 22nd in points. Their defense, however was fifth in yards allowed, second, or no, I'm sorry, 24th in rush yards allowed, second in pass yards allowed, and ninth in points. So they had a top 10 defense where they kind of got burned on the run but could shut down the pass and didn't let other teams score. Their obvious offseason additions were, the biggest one is Derek Carr, going from the Raiders to the Saints. And then, oh, my thing is buffering. It's buffering. There we go. Their other additions were uh, they re-signed Michael Thomas. They bought in Foster uh, Moreu, tight end. They signed Jamal Williams from the Lions. They also signed uh, Jarvis Landry, a couple defensive tackles. And the ones they lost were Andy Dalton, 
uh, an edge rusher and two defensive tackles and a linebacker. So, uh, yeah, I just think this is a team that is built on defense first. Obviously, their their first two draft picks in the first two rounds. They got Brian Brees from Clemson, Isaiah Foskey from Notre Dame, the edge rusher. So I just think this is a team that I don't think it's any debate that they upgraded at quarterback from who Andy Dalton is now, which is a backup to the to a rookie right? They got Derek Carr, who we've seen, like him or not, when he was with the Raiders, he had some pretty damn good games. And they have a top 10 defense. So Derek Carr, you're saying, can't win a three more games than they did last year to make it go from 7-10 and 10 to 10-7 and seven with this defense that didn't really at, uh, lose anybody and kind of just reloaded. Same coaching staff, like easiest schedule in the league. I just think this is tailor made for this Saints team to yeah, edge out the Carolina Panthers. I think the Carolina Panthers finished with 8 wins and the Saints finished with 10. So, tell me where I'm wrong, Casino. Um, I think where you're wrong, sorry. I was pulling something else up while you were chatting cuz I wasn't wanting to listen to that bullshit. Um, <laughs> this is outrageous. Dude outrageous so, <laughs> i understand that but i don't like the inconsistencies that this team keeps having yes you got a solid quarterback now but now you're out you're running back for the first few games that's a big one that's a huge one uh, also michael thomas he's towards the end of his career he's always banged up can you rely on him you do think there is going to be a decrease in his performance i do i don't i don't like it um uh man dude i i just have trouble seeing this team i just have trouble seeing this team gelling i i guess that's really my biggest thing is i just don't know if this team can put it all together and and do enough to win i mean maybe that's just a feeling thing i don't know i mean you did give good points but i still think all those points are wrong <laughs> I just think that, yeah, they're off. I mean, they got a lot of young. They got a lot of young players coming in, dude. Uh, I don't know, man. Yeah, but I just think when it comes to the Saints, it's going to be a bunch of veterans who have been in this league, have put up good numbers from Derek Carr to Michael Thomas to uh, Lattimore on the defense, like guys who at one time were either superstars or right on the edge and Derek Carr's coming off his rough year but with all the fucking shit that was going on in Oakland like I kind of put that more on the situation than the player we've seen Derek Carr be at times elite I don't think all of a sudden in one season he just goes to dumpster fire so I think if again they were 16th in pass yards if they can go to 12th in pass yards, maybe their running attack, bring it up from 19th to 15th. I just think you you don't fall that far back from what you were defensive last year. You up your offense to even just a couple clicks better. And I really think that's the diff that's the only difference in this league from right, so winning 
three games to losing three games. So, like, so I can't remember. Is Kamara three games or four games? I think we talked about it last week. I believe we he was. I believe he was three games. Was okay. he not? Well, first game September tenth. You're versus Tennessee. Um, you're playing that at home at the Superdome. Um, that's going to be a tough one. Going against up Mike Vrabel. I don't care. I know Tennessee is kind of a you know shit show, but going against that coach, I that will be an interesting one to go. But then after that, you have Carolina. You have at Green Bay, like the Carolina game, that that right there, the Carolina game could be the most important game of their season, and it's that early. Yeah. So I don't know. And and I'll be honest, I'm going to I'll, I'm going to take Carolina on September 18th uh over over the Saints. Um because you're not going to, the Saints won't have a running game. All they're going to have really, I mean, yes, you have Jamal Williams, but I don't know, man. I, I like the defense better with the Carolina, you know, with Saints going to be losing a couple people. Again, you know, this is, this is a ways away. There's still plenty of things that can happen until then. Um, but I mean, yeah, I'm looking at it. That's an easy schedule. They have, they have an easy schedule. The Saints do, but I could see them losing to Carolina. I could see them losing to Tennessee. Um, I could honestly see them losing to Green Bay. Um, Tampa, I they'll beat New England at New England. I don't think they'll beat the Patriots defense because the Patriots just signed. Trey Flowers brought him back into the fold. He's one of the best pass rushers. I think he's going to get to Drew Brees. Or not to Drew Brees. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, get, get to Derek Carr. Car. Um, Houston, they'll roll over. Then in, they have Jacksonville. I'm going to take Jacksonville on that. If Indy is able to keep um, keep Taylor, I'm probably going to take Indy on that one. Chicago. But see, though, this is I don't know, dude. Like, there's a lot of projecting games that, too far. But so see, I, well, this I'm is... just looking. I'm not projecting too far. I'm looking what what they have, and you're saying it's the easiest schedule. I feel like a lot of these teams that they're going to be going up against that I'm looking at, it's almost a queen flip. Yeah, honest, but that's what I'm saying. Me, with, it's a it's a coin flip for the it, first month of the season. There, it's not like they're going to be heavy, heavy underdogs against the Titans, Panthers, Packers, and Buccaneers. Those first four games, the first month, they're going to be in toss up. Uh, they're going to be one and a half point favorites, one and a half point underdogs in every single one of those games. You're acting like they're playing. Chiefs, Bills, Eagles, Bengals first four weeks. They're playing four teams that much like this Saints team are all in flux. Like, we don't know what any of these teams are going to be. You trust right now Jordan Love more than Derek Carr? Like, you trust uh, Will Levis more than Derek Carr? You trust, uh, what is it? Oh, there's my pit stain right there to show you how hot this room is. You trust Bryce Young on his second or yeah, his second start more than Derek Carr. Like all these Kyle Trask, it's going to be like they're going to be playing bad quarterbacks or quarterbacks we know nothing about with a top potential top five defense. Again, I don't think Kyle Trask is going to be playing. I think. Baker Mayfield would be playing. And yes, I do think Bryce Young with Carolina, with what he has for the full team is going to be a stronger team than the Saints. That's just how I, I pin it out. But you said that this team is going to, 
this is the easiest schedule in the NFL this year. If it's the easiest schedule in the NFL this year and you're flipping a coin on this bitch on almost every <laughs> single game, I don't see yeah. how you can you can win 10 games. I just well, don't. The, I, I just the, don't. The only playoff teams they play from last year outside of obviously their conference because they're playing that team regardless. The only playoff teams they play from last year are the Giants, the Vikings, and Jaguars. Well, like, here's the thing. You just, you just preluded to it. You just talked about it that – what you're looking again at last year, these teams have changed drastically. Yeah, there's but a lot I don't of teams think, that I don't think they're playing again the powerhouses of this league. And if they're in all these games that are toss ups or coin flips, like some of those coin flips are going to be in their favor. Like it okay. just becomes one of those things where. So if that's the case, then you're looking at eight and eight and nine or nine and eight. Yeah, and all they need is, and all they need is one of those games to turn in their favor more than it turns against them, which I think is completely probable. Again, okay, you're okay. That's completely probable, but it's also completely probable that it's going to go the opposite direction. Well, that's why we play the game. I understand. So here's another concern, though, for me is a lot of teams do this. A lot of teams in sports do this. They play down to the level of competition that they're playing. So this Saints team, if they're going to be playing a shit ton of games against easier teams, cupcake teams, teams that are still trying to figure themselves out, I mean, they might be playing down too much. They they don't have those big games to be like, okay, here's what a real competitor is like. You know, this is what we have to play to. This is the level we have to play to um, going – just say like Jacksonville, for instance, or Chicago, for instance, you know, I mean, hell, even New England being in that tough ass division, they're going to be playing tough teams. They're going to understand how to play against teams that are trying to get to the Super Bowl when the Saints, they're not going to be playing a Super Bowl contending team this entire season. But we see it. We see it every year. We see last year the Eagles had the easiest schedule and they went straight to the Super Bowl, especially in the NFC. Now, obviously, I'm not saying that's going to happen with the Saints, but no, because I the, the Eagles actually had a, an amazing teams, team. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that the Saints team is great. Dare I say? one of the best defensive teams. And if they can be an average offensive team, I don't see how you can argue that a seven and team, a seven and 10 team last year with basically the same makeup only on the offensive side of the ball, they're a better team. Yeah. They don't have Kamara for the first three, four games and that's going to hurt, but also they've, I would say a significant upgrade from current day, Andy Dalton to Derek Carr like I think that's a significant upgrade on oh, it's offense an, it is a significant upgrade so then I don't upgrade. see I don't see with an easier schedule a, a potentially as good or better defense than last year and a I would say by all accounts better offense than last year I don't see how they don't go and just flip the script from seven and ten to ten to seven like I can't Again, uh, Carolina find... Carolina picked up four pieces on offense four pieces on defense 
And yes, it is a rookie quarterback, but it's a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback that didn't just that didn't go Heisman and left, stayed. He continued playing in college. He's got more experience in that. Um, and if your worry is, yes, there's a lot of, you know, number one quarterbacks that come out and bust. Like of the last like 30, 30, you know, round one draft picks of the last decade or whatever for quarterbacks, five or six have panned out. Um, I was listening to Colin today, and that's what he was saying. Um, you were listening to the same thing. So it is a long shot that, you know, Bryce Young would be one of those guys. But, again, a lot of those quarterbacks were put on shitty teams with nothing to show for it, and they've had to work through that. And now they've gotten better. But I feel like this Carolina team, they did so much work in the offseason season that they've put together a really good team that now they're all they're missing is a decent quarterback. And if Bryce Young comes in and he just plays halfway decent, I think they're going to be pretty damn successful. And that's, I'm not taking anything from Derek Carr. I like Derek Carr. I do. But just to say that the saints, just because they didn't lose much from last year, you know, players fall off. I do like, the restructure of the Carolina. And I think that the restructure of this team with players coming in from other teams that, you know, weren't, weren't always top tier or, you know, they've reached their ceiling already. You're coming down onto a fresh team that where's the ceiling. The ceiling can only be up because they haven't been good for so many years. That reinvigorates guys. The Saints, they've been pretty much the same level every single year. And I don't think that just bringing in, quarterback I again I like Carr bringing I I don't know why I do know why because there was Carr left Vegas because him and McDaniels didn't get along but I I think that that it's going to be Carolina on top of on top of the Saints you say and vice versa this is a good this will be a good rivalry to have throughout the season for the shittiest division in football, probably. <laughs> I so, do think I like both, how we're getting this hyped up about the shittiest division in football. <laughs> yeah. I do think, especially in the NFC, I do think both these teams end up making the playoffs. In that would the be awesome. regard, I would, I would really enjoy that. Really enjoy yeah. that. Uh, but we're running a little long here, so let's yeah, get to our are. last team in this division. We will see who succeeds in our Panthers or Saints vote by the end of the season. But let's move on to maybe the most, to me, interesting team in this division because they can either be really fun to watch or just garbage. Uh, and I, of course, am talking about the Atlanta Falcons, who also finished last season 7-10. and 10. They have the projected second easiest schedule in the league. And when I saw this projected win total, I don't know if I will put money on it, but this is the first one where I was like, really? Uh, The projected win total right now for the Atlanta Falcons across the board is eight and a half wins. What do you think about that casino over or under? Way under. I think so as well. I don't know what everyone's seeing. I know, I know so, last year we were really high on this team, but I just can't get it. I can't get behind it, especially running with the, 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 the new quarterback here. Or not the new quarterback. They're bringing back Desmond Ritter from last year. So well, let's Ritter talk. didn't play the entire season last year, right? Yeah, I think he only started the last like month or two. But again, right, we exactly. watched those so games. That's what I'm he saying. Like, to me, all. that's still fresh and new. Uh, so 
Last year, their offense yards per game, they were 24th. Rush yards, they were third in the league, which made it all that surprising as why they picked Bijan Robinson of all the choices at the, the early pick they had. Pass yards, they were 31st, and points, they were 15th. Their defense was not good at all. 27th in yards yeah. per game, 23rd in rush. Pass they yards for one of the safeties in the draft. And then 23rd in points allowed. I did, however, if you look at their offseason additions, it is basically Bijan Robinson uh, and then all defense. They got Jesse Bates, which was the uh, PFF's uh, top-ranked free agent safety. He comes from, I believe, the Bills. Uh, So they had Jesse Bates. They got... Ana Yamada, I think is his name, on the defensive uh, front. Linebackers, uh, Lorenzo Carter, Caden Ellis. They got edge rusher Bud Dupree. They signed Mac Hollins. Uh, they also signed Tyler uh, Heineke, which I don't know how there isn't a quarterback competition. It appears coming out of Atlanta, it's going to be uh, Ritter, but... From what we saw from Heineke last year, I don't think it's a significant downgrade or upgrade to have Ritter. I would probably put uh, Heineke in there over what we saw from him last year compared to what we saw from Ritter last year. Uh, then they also added Calarius, uh, or Calaris Campbell and Eddie Goldman on the defensive line and then cornerback Mike Hughes. The only person they lost was... Zacharias at wide receiver and Rashawn Evans, the linebacker. So almost a completely rebuilt defense, which is good because their defense last year was brutal. But this offense is just a giant, giant question mark to me, because even if they go from the third ranked rushing attack to one or two, I don't see how that could possibly elevate them from a seven and 10 team to especially a projected win total of eight and a half. I don't know what this team has done in the off season besides add a bunch of defensive players, but they didn't change any of the coaches. So you still have a defensive uh, coordinator who allowed you to have basically a bottom tier defense last year. So adding better players, yeah, it's going to bump it up, but I don't see a significant improvement for this team this year especially to be a two wins better team yes they have the second easiest schedule and obviously that was the point of my saints argument but my saints argument was also this is a great defense that made improvements on their bad offense this is going to be a falcons team that's going to have a better defense but I don't see any significant improvements they've made on the offensive side of the ball. And I just don't like Ritter at all. Uh, From what we saw from him last year, week after week that he played, he just looked abysmal. I mean, thoughts on the Falcons this year, Casino, because I was, this is the one where when I looked at all the over-unders, I was most shocked by this team being projected to be a nine-win team. Yeah, man, I'm. There's no way because we're we're high on those other two teams that I can't see this team. I can't see this team with 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 Ritter doing doing anything really. Um, no, I think 
that is. I think uh, Falcons and Bucks, they're going to be in a bet, uh, more contention to be at the bottom of this division than at the top. Like, I just right. think it's, I mean, I wouldn't be, I really thought this over under for this Falcons team would be five and a half. For it to be eight and a half is legit shocking to me. So, final thoughts on this Falcons team casino because I think they're going to be interesting to watch, but I don't think that the quarterback play is going to be at the level it is in the NFL. Yeah, I'm down on that team. Two thumbs down. Um, Uh, We should probably get this wrapped up. Uh, This did run long. My kid's starting to get up, actually, so... Uh, also last year, uh, and I agree before we get out of here, Ritter only threw for 708 yards and two touchdowns. I can't, I believe he only played in any, and that's from four games. So in four games, he had two touchdowns, 700 yards, small sample size. His completion percentage was 63%. So maybe there's something there, but like I said, when we watched him last year, we even talked about it when we were talking about Atlanta Falcons game. He didn't jump off the screen as like, you gotta, that guy's gotta be the starter. Like he really feels like just a transition quarterback. And yeah, I don't know. We're, they're gonna be this division for how, for like you said, they might be the worst division in football, but that doesn't mean they're not gonna be interesting. Like there's some interesting teams, maybe all of them in this division that I look forward to watching, but that has been the NFC South on Friday's show. We will talk about the AFC South. And then as the weeks progress, we will do the same thing with other NFC and AFC uh, divisions. So casino, anything to say to the people on our season two, episode one ending right here. Um. I like my toaster oven better than my toaster. There you go. Uh, Your computer has been outstanding this time. Uh, It was great that we dressed up for this. We will be back on Friday for season two, episode two. I'm going to do the Marvel Comics thing where I keep the legacy number of what episode we're actually on at the bottom corner of our pictures on YouTube. So uh, look for that. But yeah. This has been the Only Sports Podcast. I'm Will. That's Casino. And we will see you Friday. Adios.